Mac, thanks, and thank you for the warm welcome and for the opportunity, Leonard and the elders, everybody here that um, that encourages us to to participate in the body of Christ and bring what we have. I'm also very um, thankful for the worship uh, that was led. A really, really um, apt song choice. Really, um, and if I think about God's breath, He gave us life twice. Right, we are able to stand physically, but He also gave us life by his spirit and because of that we can pour out our praise to him and we sing about everything we give our all to you all to you and um this message might i'm glad for that word around the rock being thrown at your heart i must say because this message is a is a punchy one it feels if you if you listen it, it might seem like a bit of a counterpoint to what we're saying, but it's the same thing. It has to be the same thing. The message, I'm going to give my punchline first that you know what I'm talking about, and then we can either you know, stop there or go through the details. Punchline is God hates sin. He hates it. And by God's grace, we have been saved by Jesus, faith in Jesus, and not by our works. But we cannot continue in sin. If we do, we are trampling on Jesus and we are outraging the Holy Spirit. So we need to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Be conformed to him. Reflect him in everything and in our hearts we sang that. Someone mentioned it, we sang it. Leonard, you mentioned it. Heart condition, not lips. Not just actions, heart condition, complete change. God hates sin. We're not saved by works, but we cannot continue sinning. And he looks to the heart. We were talking about um, this theme throughout the year. It, it's, it's, uh, it, it has to be the case because it, it's a thread throughout the gospel. It starts in Genesis, ends, ends in Revelation, sin. One of the key themes of the Bible, key themes of our relationship with God. Uh, and we touched on it. I'll, I'll just reflect on a few points. Um, Leonard, you, you sent a WhatsApp some, some, some space, some kind of April-ish in the year, say, but God is asking us as a congregation to stand still and sort out the squeaks. Some of you might remember that. We, you know, we can't move forward as a congregation, be effective in God's kingdom if we have squeaks. We have to sort this thing out. The, key of that is sin towards one another. We also spoke about, we had various testimonies from the leaders, uh, from others, from many of us here, con public confession of, I have done this, this is not right in my life, and I confess, I repent, I'm going to change. Leonard, a few weeks ago, mentioned um, God's grace and mercy is half the gospel. Complete gospel is we also slash at the same time need works. Your faith in God demonstrates, demonstrated through works. It generates a change in your life. Sin is not okay, quote unquote for Leonard. <laughs> James spoke last week about Hebrews, new covenant where Jesus comes. He says, I've got a new covenant. My ministry is better than the old. New covenant is better than the old. And I could have put my laws in your minds and in your hearts. So, and Andrew spoke at the, at the conference around... Um, it's a nice catchy phrase. Road to unity is paved by war. 
the road to unity is paved by war. That war that you spoke about, war between the flesh and the spirit within you. And you must choose to yield your flesh to the spirit of God, to God himself, so that he can change. Choose to change, choose to submit completely to him. So we spoke and we have this theme and I just wanted to, to then, um, in a sense, pull a bit of a thread through, through the Bible. And I'm not going to go deep, time won't allow, I'm not going to go deep into anything, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull a thread, I'm going to focus on that. We cannot continue to sin part. But I'll pull a thread just because there were some links around you know, sin originally, the law, new covenant, Jesus versus works, all of that. And I'm just going to clarify a few of those things and then talk about, as I mentioned, um, we cannot continue to sin. Why am I bringing this message? Well, it's obedience and disobedience. (laughs) The disobedience part is I didn't bring it earlier. The obedience part is I'm bringing it now. So we were at a a leaders um, event here in this place. I was standing over there and I prayed. Now I can I can kick myself sometimes. I prayed, say, God, use me. Use me. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> I, I I'm privileged, nothing to do with me, to really exp- all of you probably do. I also do really experience God's presence. And he spoke very clearly to me. He said four things. This is what he said. God is holy. He hates sin. He will judge it. He will rule with a rod of iron. And I stood there. The disobedience part is I didn't bring it then. And Leonard said, I was waiting for someone to come with the prophetic to change. I didn't do it. I apologize. I have to apologize. But funny enough, it fits in very well, I think, um, after James's sermon of last, last week. And um, Leonard invited us at that event to say, put forward if you want to preach. So I did, and thankfully here I am. But that's the, so that's the message. God is holy. He hates sin. He will judge it. He will rule with a rod of iron. So let's look at, just going to pull the thread, Genesis. I think all of you know Genesis, the account of sin. If you don't, here's a short version. God created mankind. He's in perfect relationship with mankind. Blew his spirit into man, giving him life. Created God in his image. And he said, everything you can do, that you can't. And man said, not your will be done, but mine. We decided no. So God said, you will live a life of suffering. You will be out of my presence. I'm closing the door. I'm locking it. That's called the fall. God came. We know his nature. He's, he's, He's holy and loving. He has wrath. And he has grace and mercy. We know that of God. And he said, I'm going to save mankind. I'm going to pick Israel. I'm going to pick them. I'm going to give them the law. And say, this is how you live. And this is how you live. Very clearly from Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. 
five books, four, five with Genesis, first bit of the Bible. This is how you live. And he gave them a sacrificial system to say, because you're going to fail, unfortunately, I'll give you a sacrifice. You can come make offerings through the priest, through the temple. I'll give you offerings for your sin, atonement for your sin, and wash it clean. And then Jesus came. And he said, well, I know that you're looking at outside, uh, outside sin. You can put the first scripture up if that's, if that's possible. Exodus 20 verse 13, you shall not murder. That's the law. What did Jesus say? Matthew 5, 21. You've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry at his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to counsel. Whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. I'm not looking at your actions. I'm not looking at your lips. I'm looking at your heart and your mind. I'm looking inside. Next one, just to emphasize the point, Exodus 20, verse 2. You shall not commit adultery. Jesus says, Matthew 5, 27 to 30, You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members, than that your whole body be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. It's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go to hell. And we can apply this to, thank you for the scriptures, we can apply this to the whole law. He says, this is what the law says, I say, action and inside. So as a young Christian, when I read this, I said, ooh, how do I get beyond this one? It's impossible without God. My thoughts are impure. My emotions are impure. My desires are worldly. How do I go about that? Romans says, <laughs> this applies to everybody. Romans 3 verse 9 to 12. For we have, it's not on the, it's not on the screen. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, referring to Psalm 14. None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless, and none does good, not even one. God's eyes, no one makes it. No one makes it. So we are, God hates sin, gives a law, a sacrificial system, which looks actions. Jesus said, I'm looking internal. The word says, no one makes it. We need Jesus. <laughs> we need Jesus. <laughs> so, here's, here's, the, here's the good part. We need Jesus, and he came. <laughs> so, that's the good part. And that's why we must find our whole being in Jesus. So if we look at Romans, I'm just picking a couple of scriptures. I like scriptures. Maybe, you know, I thought I'd, I'd try and get more scriptures on the screen than worship songs. This, uh, this Romans 3, 21 to 26. 
Uh, 21 to, to 24. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, apart from the law, righteousness of God apart from the law. Although the law and prophets bear witness to it, he's talking about it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is Christ Jesus. Praise God for that. <laughs> redemption through Christ Jesus. Thank God for that. I was really, really thankful um, to realize that, that bit. So he hates sin. We need Jesus and we are saved by faith. But we cannot keep on sinning. So how does that now work? Remember, if we keep on sinning, sorry, I want to skip to something else. I want to go to, to just to Hebrews, where James, James did Hebrews 8. I'm doing Hebrews 10. Just confirm again, Christ's sacrifice for all. So, Hebrews 10, not on the screen. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. It's not the law. Back to Christ. When he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices, Jesus says, God has not taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. Behold, I have come to do your will. That's what Jesus is speaking. He does away with the first in order to establish the second, not saved by the law. And by that, will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. It's all Jesus. All Jesus. But here's the but. Read a bit further. This one we can put on the screen. This is one of the one of the one I just want to stand still on. So Hebrews 10, 26, 31. In worship time, we spoke about entering the presence of God as well. Um, beyond the veil, Jesus' body making that available for us. We can push in, but there's a but. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth there is no longer remain there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins but a fearful expectation of judgment so now we've got jesus which is everything we need we can enter into god's presence personally much better covenant don't need to go via priests Reconciled with God, sins are paid, washed clean, sanctified hearts, clean hands, righteous before God. That's who we are. We chose Jesus Christ, believe in him. To those people, to us, God's word says, if we sin deliberately, after receiving the knowledge of truth, there is no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment. And a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who set aside the law, talking about the law, everyone who set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two witnesses. So when the law was held, you were dead without mercy if you disobeyed the law. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved 
by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God, who has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, and again the Lord will judge his people. It's a fearful thing <coughs> to fall into the hands of the living God. This is, a, this is a warning. It's also an encouragement. It's a very firm encouragement <laughs> for us to sort out the sin in your life. Very firm encouragement. If we continue to sin deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there's no longer remains sacrifice for sins. It, judge, it challenges two things. For those that really have given their lives to Christ, it says, stop sinning deliberately. And if you have sin in your life and it's there, and you it also ask the question, have you really, do you really have faith in Jesus Christ? I'm not pointing fingers at anybody, I'm just saying. Because faith will transform your life to be obedient to Christ. Your works does not determine your salvation, but it reflects your faith in Jesus and your submission to him. And putting on body of Christ, his mind, his heart, his character, his holiness. If that's not, not in your life, you have to question whether you're sincerely repenting of your sin, walking away from it, or whether you sincerely believe in Jesus. Putting it out there. So God hates sin. Let's recapping quickly. God hates sin. He gave the law to teach Israel how to live. Jesus said, I'm looking beyond the law. I'm looking at the heart. No one can stand. We need Jesus. He came. He paid. Because of him, we're saved. But we can't continue sinning. So, a few examples of sin in the New Testament, just to make the point a little bit from a different perspective. This is not... Uh, not on the screen. Matthew 22, 36 to 40 talks about Jesus. And someone asked him, Teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Old Testament speaks about all your might. That's everything you've got. This is the great and first commandment. And the second, like it is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is Jesus' answer. Love God with everything you have. Everything you have. He's saying about it. Everything you have. And love those around you with everything you have as yourself. If you have those two, you don't need the list of things that you need to do or not do. It's reflected. It's contained in that love for people. Some concrete examples just to... Just to um, Prompt a little bit. Galatians for the screen. Galatians 5, 18 to, to 24. So Jesus came and he gave us the spirit that talks to our hearts and minds. We've got the laws in here. If you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh, which you must not have in your life, are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and these things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, 
Two warnings. <laughs> what happens at strike three? I warn you as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You can't have this in your life. Not okay. And the contrast, this is what we want. This is what we want in our lives. Fruit of the Spirit. Spirit creates in us inner change, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law because we perfect the law if we have that. If we have transformed to become that, we don't need the law. We need Jesus, but we don't need the law. And those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Crucify your flesh, put on Jesus Christ, reflect his character by the Spirit, do not sin. Colossians 3, verse 5 to 10. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, things seeing that you have put off the old self with his practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of creator. As you know more about God, he'll reveal more of what needs to change in your life. If you know it, stop, move on. Jesus creates that change in us. don't know if I have the scripture up. Leonard spoke about Now I actually do. I do, I do, I do. I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. No, I, I missed it. Let me just read to you Galatians. Does that change? Just, just, just on that point, because important point. Leonard made the point there a couple of months back as well. Salvation is a miracle, was his point. Salvation is a miracle. Let's continue to see more miracles in your life as you grow as a Christian. It was a very rough translation <laughs> of the message. I hope I got it right. This is what Paul said to Galatians. Foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Have you lost it completely? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ, you saw Jesus Christ publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this, one question. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Then it's point. How are you now perfecting in the flesh? I want to now try and figure this thing out. I'm going to try and live my life correctly and earn my salvation in that manner. Not what God wants. He wants us transformed by His Spirit to reflect His glory, sanctified and like God more and more like God every day. So New Testament examples we've, we've covered. Getting back to the word that I mentioned when we started. God said, I'm holy. I hate sin. I will judge it. I will rule 
with a rod of iron. I don't want to debate revelations too much at this point, but I want to give you that image because God spoke about that image that we see in Revelations 19, 11 to 26. Then I saw heaven opened. So I want to I ask, the question I want to ask is, if we are trampling Jesus underfoot and outraging the Holy Spirit to continue to sin, I just want to give you that image of Jesus that we're trampling underfoot. I just want to give you that image. Then I saw, actually I want to give you the image. I want to, I want to give you the image in here. I think you get it. Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, crowns, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He's clothed in a robe dipped with blood, and his name by which he's called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven, arranged in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which he, to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. This is the God we're trampling on when you continue to sin. Holy God hates sin, coming to judge it, ruling the nations with a rod of iron. I don't want to be on the wrong side of that and say, but God, you paid the price on the cross. Can't continue to sin as a Christian. Can't continue to sin. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. What do we do? <laughs> answer lies in Jesus. But I want to make this point because I believe God made the point. We can't continue sinning. And saying Jesus paid the price on the cross is good, but I wanted to create a change in your life whereby we are not walking in sin but walking sanctified and with a changed life that reflects the character of God. There are many scriptures about all these points. Um, I selected one. I asked God, what do I, what do I need to, to end on? Um, and I think this is the one. So Romans 13, verse 8 to 14. Two components to it. One says, how do I live? Um, in context of loving. Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. But you see in that love there are many facets. Don't read it lightly. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is fulfilling the law. It has deep requirements. It's deep requirements. Besides this, this is encouragement. Beside this, you know the time 
that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. This was spoken long ago, I think. If we get that image of Jesus coming and his armies, it still applies. And it's 2,000 years closer. Wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is gone, the day is at hand. So let us cast off the works of darkness. Cast them away. Put on the armor of light and walk properly as in daytime. Not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not quarreling, not jealousy. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. In Hebrews, just before that statement around trampling on Jesus, it says, stir up one another, that's us, stir up one another to love and good works. So we're there for one another. Individually, put on Jesus Christ. All of us, encourage one another, be there for one another, teaching us, teaching ourselves to love, encouraging to do good works. As the day, as you see, as you see the day, Jesus coming, drawing near, must be prepared for him. Hebrews 12, but later, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. So my prayer for us then, in closing, would be, God, teach us how to love you well with all we have. Teach us how to love one another well with all we have. Show us where we fall short in displaying your fruit in our lives. Prune us, change us to do that. If I know of something that's wrong in my life, I choose to lay it down now. And I pray that you will give me strength and those around me that I can continue a life without that thing. God changes us. God changes us. And I pray that you put on Christ in me. God, I can't do it. I can just ask, Lord. I can just enter your presence and say, change my life so that I reflect you. How you think your heart towards people, your character. Change me so that I can bear fruit for worthy of your death, worthy of serving you, worthy of responding to your spirit, worthy of those around us, worthy of those that don't know Christ. Change my life. Let me not be found trampling you underfoot with sin in my life. Reveal anything in me which needs to change to your glory. Amen. Yeah, thank you so much, Kurnay. I think that was, it's a good and sobering message, eh? It's, um, it's one of those things that when we speak about sin, it's, uh, it's never nice, um, but it's good if it's from God, if it's from the heart of God, then we, we know that everything that He says to us is actually for our good. just want to quickly tell you a story before we, before we end with a response, because I'd love us to have a response today, but um, this week I went for coffee with Christian. I don't know if Christian's actually here or if we're there. he's in this service, but many of you know Christian, and it's, it's so cool. Christian is one of those guys that really does pray, and he sends me prophetic words often, and he would send me encouragements or ask me what he can pray for, and he said that this week he was praying for me, and he saw me on my way to heaven, but as I was on my way to heaven, there was a weight that was attached to me 
um, pulling me away from heaven. Um, meaning like as I'm moving closer towards God, there's something that's holding me back. And uh, at some points in my life, I would maybe feel condemned about that and feel like, oh God, maybe there's sin in my life and I feel bad about it. But you know, if you understand the blood of Jesus, if you understand what he's done for you, you understand that if I walk in him, I can cast off those things. It's not something that I feel condemned about. It's something that I might feel convicted about. Cut it off, move on, Jesus forgives me. And so we were able to speak, and it was so beautiful for me, a saint, normal guy in the church that came to me and asked me, how is it going with sin in your life? How beautiful is that, actually? I love it. You can come do that. <laughs> and if there's an area of sin that you see in my life, you can come speak to me. I'm not above sin. None of us are above sin. We should be accountable to one another. So I actually love the fact that he did that. And that's something that I feel we need and something that we saw here this morning. Actually, the question was just put to you, hey, how are you doing with sin in your life? It's not saying you're going to go to hell. It's just saying, as a Christian, how are you doing with sin in your life? Quickly want to read you, read you once, uh, three short scriptures, and then we're going to, then we're going to um, end with a response. It's actually in 1 John. It's a beautiful book that you can go read. It's a quick one. It says in verse 6, 1 verse 6, it says, If we claim to have fellowship with Him, and yet we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. So meaning, if I walk with God, I should not have the darkness in me. I should be walking in the truth. Kornai's message. But then listen to this as he continues, two verses later, almost like saying, if you're sinning, you're not a Christian. And that feels condemning. Then he says, if we claim, two verses later, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive, deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Whew. <laughs> so all Christians have sin. We all have areas of sin in our lives that we, that we deal with. And then he writes this beautiful part, and I think this ties into the heart of what Kurnay was saying in 1 John 2, verse 1. My dear children, it's coming in love. I write this to you so that you will not sin. So I'm saying this to you. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So if you're sitting here this evening and you say, but frick, I'm sinning. <laughs> I'm sitting with sin, especially like all of us have sin, right? I mean, anyone without sin, right? No one, right? All of us do have sin. But if there's an area of habitual sin that's in your life that you are struggling to cast off, the book of John would say to you, if you do sin, remember today, and I think that was Cornet's message, you have an advocate with the Father. Why don't tonight you reach out to Him and say, God, please help me? Why don't you reach out to the people around you and open up and even confess and say, please pray with me, please stand me. Because in, uh, in, in James 5 verse 17, it says that we should even confess our sins one to another so that we may be healed. Does that make sense? So what do you do tonight if you're convicted? Say, thank you that I've got an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ is my advocate with the Father. You will help me find forgiveness. And you reach out to that advocate tonight and you say, please help me to get free of this area. And then you open it up to the people around you and you say, please stand with me, please pray with me. Can we maybe stand where, where we are? <laughs>